Hey guys, it's Robert with the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. I'm very happy to have one of our Reboot Insiders Club subscribers, Lisa Poole. Uh, Lisa, I believe, lives in Bedford, New Hampshire, if I said that correctly. And yes. she's a Peaceful Strength Massage, I think is your brand. But Lisa, yep. can you give people a little bit of information about you and also where they can find you, whether it's your website or your social media? Uh, sure. Um, as you said, I'm in New Hampshire. Uh, it's a little teeny town, um, not even a city. Uh, my website is Peaceful Strength Massage. Uh, Facebook is Peaceful Strength Massage Therapy. Instagram is Peaceful Strength Massage. And I have a YouTube channel, but it doesn't have my name yet on it because I don't have enough subscribers. Um, I've been in practice for eight years, always been a solopreneur. Um, so I've never worked for anybody else. And it's, um, it's been a very interesting eight years, lots of ups and downs and frustrations, but I'm very happy to say that my practice is doing really well. And I think I'm pretty successful at this point. Cool. What are some of the um, challenges you had to overcome? Uh, I knew nothing about business. Um, I you, knew, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> I knew nothing. I didn't know anything about bookkeeping, marketing, advertising. I knew nothing, but I knew I didn't want to work for anybody else. In hindsight, I wish I had worked for somebody else and really learned from them business wise, um, might have solved a little stress in my life, but um, I've done it and I've learned a lot and I now have realized things that I need to delegate and things that I can do, um, things that I want to do, things that I don't want to do, um, but it's always evolving and I like the challenge, so it's, it's worked for me. Yeah, Lisa, when we were getting ready for the podcast, there was some discussion about like topics. And one of the things I found most interesting is I think now, correct me if I'm wrong, you're doing a lot of mat-based work, but then you also dealt with, was it a hip replacement surgery or what was that? Yeah, yes. Um, Six years ago, I had my uh, right hip replaced. Uh, the backstory is back in my late 20s, I had um, lots of hip pain, um, went to an orthopedic, he took an x-ray, he said to me, yep, you've got degenerative arthritis, you'll need a new hip. By the time you're 50, uh, don't do anything that you're doing now. Uh, and that was pretty much it. I got pregnant with my second son, that hip pain went away. So I completely forgot about it. Um, and then in my 40s, uh, I started to lose range of motion rapidly, um, along with lots of really, really bad chronic pain. Um, I lived on a leave for probably three years, saw a couple different surgeons, and they said, you know, it's just a matter of time. So I decided to have it replaced instead of living in the pain. Um, and I, you know, having seen other people with different replacement surgeries, hip replacement is a piece of cake compared yep. to knee replacement or shoulder surgeries and stuff like that. And within three weeks, I was back at work working nice. as a therapist. So I have to say, I've got no pain, better range of motion now. You know, modern medicine is there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. How did... um. How did you become interested in like mat based work? And then, like, what was that transition like for you and your clients? Um, I got introduced to Thai massage uh, when I was in massage school. Um, we learned some basic table tie stuff in probably a week's worth of classes. And I knew then that I loved it and it's what I wanted to do. Um, but starting a practice, you know, all by myself with no experience whatsoever, I kind of got side railed for a couple of years trying to just figure out the business of massage along with getting my skills up to where they needed to be. While I was in recovery for my hip, um, 
it had nothing to do. I was sitting around on the computer and I was looking into finding Thai massage classes and I stumbled across you on YouTube, uh, downloaded your free uh, Thai massage little handout thing that you had at the time, uh, practiced some of those techniques uh, and then really looked around here at home to find a therapist that taught it found a local therapist um, and took a, a level one Thai class and incorporated a lot of the techniques on the table, but I didn't have space in that office in order to move the table out of the way to work on the floor. So three years later, I changed offices to where I'm at now, where I've got the space to be able to put a table and a Thai mat. But at that point in time, I was too nervous to actually do it. Um, and then you had started to ramp things up um, on Facebook and you were doing some online webinars and, and whatever. So I did a couple of those things. And through Facebook, encouragement from you and other therapists, I kind of said, okay, I'm going to get over my fear and I'm just going to start asking people if they want to try it. So I started with, you know, just one or two clients where I, you know, throw them on the floor and get feedback um, and slowly worked to the point where it was last year. So 2019, early in 2019, I said, that's that. Um, I'm going to focus all of my practice on um, mat work and then we'll convert my clients to the floor. And uh, I have to say most of them are now on the floor. I've got a handful that don't want to work on the floor, but I'm not going to kick them out of the practice. I still do the traditional slide and glide on them. Yeah. So as a therapist, I'm always, I mean, I have my opinions, but like, why did you decide to move towards a mat-based practice? Like what was the, the impetus behind that? Um, you know, both for you as a practitioner and then also for the service you were delivering your clients. Um, having been a personal trainer years ago, um, I like that type of work with people, the, the, that stretching, that movement based work. Um, I see a lot of benefit for myself. Um, when I get work done, I, I go to my Thai therapist. I don't go for slide and glide. So I just, I see and I feel the benefit and I wanted my clients to feel the benefit because I think it's so much greater than traditional table massage. Um, so uh, from a personal level, I was drawn to the work to receive it. And then I really like giving it. I like doing it. I like to be able to pick somebody up and bring them into a deep stretch and, and, you know, do the compression work. And I, it's so much easier on the body. I know you say it all the time, but it really is so much easier on the body working on the floor. I mean, I'm 53 years old and I find my energy is so much better when I work with people on the floor than on the table. Usually what I find is the therapist is just more mobile. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not stuck in one position. And I, the bias is I was in gymnastics in high school, and then I was practicing yoga when I got into time massage. So I was used to physical disciplines with strength and flexibility already, just from my background. Then sometimes I get a mixed response from students because some students have – I don't know, they have knee problems or some sort of range of motion issue that I kind of have to help them with if they're going to attempt mat work. And then for other people, they just say, I don't know, this doesn't feel comfortable. But for me, it's almost like uh, you taught them how to write in, um, not cursive, but you taught them to write in, did we lose her? I'm back. There I'm we go. <laughs> my phone um, rang sorry about that <laughs> yeah so i'm trying to remember okay hey we'll take a quick break all right <laughs> hey y'all this is trent knox new episode i was about to say back again but uh podcast producer for the robert gardner wellness podcast i just want to say hello to all the viewers out there facebook twitch youtube mixer d live and the sorts uh once again 
for those of you who are new to the podcast, this is Robert Gardner. He's a health and wellness uh, expert specifically in yoga and Thai massage. And uh, he's giving away a free trial on his industry-leading Reboot Insiders Club for new users. You can go to rgwellness.store slash free trial and take advantage of that 30 free days. Uh, it's going to be 400 plus hours of video content with accompanying written material. So te- check that out. Again, it's rgwellness.store slash free trial. Back to Robert. And Lisa in the studio. Hey guys, it's Robert again. And Lisa, if you could again introduce yourself and let them know, they let the audience know where they can contact you. Uh, Lisa Poole, Bedford, New Hampshire. Uh, my website is peacefulstrengthmassage.com, and that's where you can find me. Cool. So, what, what I was saying was, you know, it's kind of like a print and cursive. If you know how to do one and then you transition to another, it's kind of a, you're still writing, but it's a slightly different way of interacting with it, with, with the, the art form. Mat-based work, I think, is very similar. And some people, once they've learned one way, it's a little more challenging for them to understand the capacity for professional development when they transition to something new. They feel, especially when they use their legs and feet, they feel awkward initially. And I've gotten much better as an educator and explaining to them, listen, it feels awkward because it is awkward because you're learning how to use your legs and feet. You have all the training in the world on how to use your hands and arms, but we need to tran- you're still going to use those, but we're going to transition you to develop these new tools. Once they get you know, 50%, a modicum of sensitivity and feeling with their legs and feet, nine times out of 10, what they tell me is they feel frustrated that they're not allowed to use all of their tools. One of the great advantages of being on my own, I don't have to follow anybody's rules. So, you know, I don't have to worry about keeping a foot on the ground and all of that stuff that people run into working for somebody else. But just you're right about the mobility, and I've seen such a difference in my own hip mobility um, since I've been practicing. I'm so much more limber than I was when I started, and I've never been a limber person. Um, I don't particularly care for, like, yoga. It's hard for me, Um, but I do have to say doing this work consistently has helped my own flexibility. Have you have you noticed much like with your hands and arms? Like at any point as a therapist, were you developing hand and arm pain from working on a table? I've never had hand and arm pain. My biggest issue when working on the table was neck problems. Um, And it's because that I would drop my head down all the time. And that was causing me lots of neck problems. Um, So since I have gone to being strictly on the floor, uh, my neck doesn't bother me. Occasionally, I seem to run into these days where the few clients that I have that work on the table all seem to come in on the same day or two, and then I will find that my neck bothers me. Yeah, just a different way of using your body. Um, a lot of students that I work with, we're having an advanced upper back and neck course. I'm, I'm trying to branch out into a slightly new curriculum that's a little bit more uh, condition-specific. And I'm really interested to see how students respond because I kept getting, after my intro tie class, I kept getting students who expressed they couldn't really figure out how to work the neck. The neck in mat-based work was like more challenging to them. And primarily, I think the way that I deal with clients' neck pain is in sideline which the way I developed curriculum was kind of all over the place. But I can release a video on YouTube where I'm putting a knee in somebody's neck and I get hate mail about, you know, I'm including their carotid artery and people are going to die. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, it's one of my favorite moves. Like once they understand how to use their legs and feet, then it's easier for me to show them how to use their legs and feet in a more delicate area. I just didn't start with that because I was a little concerned about, you know, they've got to have enough muscle control to be able to pull this off. Right. Um, yeah, teaching, again, it's like uh, English and Arabic. You know, all of a yeah. sudden I'm teaching Arabic and they're like, oh, my God, like it, you write it backwards. It's written from right to left. Wow, this is, you know, it's a very 
amazing art form, but it takes a little bit for therapists now who are used to a table-based practice. There's a little bit of re-education. Yes, definitely. And practice. If somebody takes your class, but then doesn't practice, doesn't do it, you can't do the advance work. You have to be confident in what you're doing first before you go to putting a knee into somebody's neck. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, there's a distinct dividing line I find in students where some students love it and some students just don't. I try to feed the fans and just keep building and growing. Um, I often find myself a little bit confused because when I hear therapists complain, they're like, I don't make enough money and my hands hurt. I'm like, yeah, we solved that like 10 years ago. Like this is not, (laughs) that's not, that's not an issue anymore, but also, much like you said, being a uh, solopreneur, right now the challenge is there are no mat-based facilities for therapists to work at. So not only do I have to teach them a different skill, I have to rely on them building their own businesses to be able to really thrive. Yeah, and that that's the hardest part. Um, there is massage and then there is business, and they are two different things, and you have to look at them in, with two different brains. Um, you know, you, it, there is a whole art to building your practice and getting clients and having that business. And then there is the whole art of being mat based. Um, and it is when, when you get the two to work together, it's profitable. I know I am the only therapist um, that advertises in this area of mat based work. Um, The therapist that I go see that was my instructor, um, she doesn't even have a website. Um, You know, all of her clients are referral at this point in time. Um, So when you go and Google Thai massage, mat-based massage, I'm the only one that comes up in the area. Um, Because the other therapists that have like Thai massage training, they don't do it. You know, I've talked to them. I've gone to them. They don't practice it. They are all still working on the table. They can't get over their fear of doing something different. In in some ways, I, I think it's completely different. And in other ways, I just go, you're just working on people. It doesn't even matter yeah. if I somehow cloistered into a facility where I was working on a table. If I'm on a table, I just do my version of table tie. It completely blows the clients away. They're immediately like, what is this? This is amazing. And then it sells itself once you give them the work and help them you know, with pain uh, specifically. But I'll continue to break that down in curriculum to be able to explain it to students so they can more easily integrate it. I'm really interested as an educator in providing more tools and resources for students to supplement and build their practice, not only in technique, but helping them with some of the infrastructure for their business in various ways if we build to that level. There's a lot that I'm interested in because I noticed that educators, they would teach the body work. They weren't teaching how to sell it. They weren't helping students with the website, the search engine optimization, the marketing, the Facebook ads, the hashtags on Instagram. And for me, that was where as a continuing education provider, I felt like I could step in and fill a hole in the marketplace. Oh, for sure. For sure. I've, you know, I've been part of so many of these massage Facebook groups and that's everybody's problem. You know, it's always, how do I get more clients? How do I get more clients? Um, You know, and I've, yes, I've been out of school for nine years now, but what they talked about in school, and I bet they still talk about it. Oh, go do free chair massage. Well, that free chair massage shit doesn't work. It doesn't work. So Michael Ortiz, if you're part of the Massage Entrepreneurs Group, he's got a program where he's teaching chair massage, and there's a heavy rebooking component um, out of his chair massage work. So it's not just the chair massage. It's positioning the chair massage to be able to get these people to come in for this first time, you know, full session. Right. I think from the outside, when we say it doesn't work, it's because it's so ubiquitous it's just everywhere. It doesn't necessarily on its own, just go to chair massage. It doesn't mean you're going to get tons of clients. 
you have to position it in such a way to be able to bring people in. I have the same issue with the time massage jam. The students who are running the time massage jam are kind of looking at me like, well, I'm not making money. And I'm like, keep running the time massage jam and use the time massage jam as a funnel to get clients to come see you. You have to build community and you have to build knowledge base amongst consumers about what it is you're selling. And they go, oh, that's a lot of of work. Right. And your teachers in school anyways, they don't they don't tell you about that second step. They just tell you to go give a free chair massage and you expect people to want to book with you. I've, I've done a a bunch of health fairs and they just, people are lining up just for the free chair massage. You know, they're not looking for anything else than that. You need to look at it. You need to structure it in a different way in order for it to work. Yeah. The time massage jam in some ways is not that different from a chair massage gig. Um, it's different, but it's not that different. Um, building mat based community for what I was teaching and trying to get therapists to excel at the time size jam filled a number of, of needs, a number of goals kind of all in this nice little concise package that I'm still trying to shape. There's a lot of, you know, let's say you're making video, Lisa. Are you doing much video production? You mentioned having a YouTube. Are you doing much on Instagram or other platforms? I, I haven't been. Um, I'm hoping to really start doing that. I spoke to somebody yesterday, and he suggested reaching out to some of the local colleges here to see if there's, you know, marketing students that want to come in and, yep. you know, do it. Uh, an internship to help me with that stuff. Um, it, it's just tough to figure out, you know, how do I do that? Hold the camera, use the tripod. And it, if I had an assistant to help with all of that, I'd do more of it. Yeah. It'll look more professional if you can get someone who can just move the camera around. Uh, having yeah. a camera person is a big deal. The post-production, especially if you can get someone who's willing to do a little post-production and change camera angles, makes a huge, huge difference. Um, it's a little more, more of a complex skill. Yeah. But with video production, because we were doing clothes on mat based work, I keep just shoving that in my marketing to try to explain to the students that the fact that people are closed on means you can film and photo document everything. Right. And from right. a social media standpoint, it's, and I keep telling them it's about the time massage jam. It's not one. I'm talking about having 30 chapters of time massage jam, working with those students, outsourcing the post-production of all of our videos and completely taking over Facebook. It's going to get to the point where students and colleagues are going to get banned from Facebook groups because we post too many videos. People are going to get pissed off that the massage industry starts to look like this clothes-on, mat-based thing that they're not familiar with. And from a marketing standpoint, I most of my clients are older clients. New Hampshire is an older state. We're not a very young state. So most of my clients are older clients. And when it comes to marketing mat-based massage, when I say you don't have to get undressed. So many older individuals love that. Um, I've got older men that, you know, they've always wanted a massage, but it makes them feel awkward. They don't want to get naked for somebody. But to come in and know they can keep their clothes on and I make them feel better, I'm in. I'm in for life with these people. So I think having clothes on is huge. Yeah. There's there's other components where uh, women in the industry sometimes don't feel safe having home studios, and it's funny for as much flack as I get um, related to gender issues in our industry that more people don't seem to recognize the fact that because I'm teaching something that's clothes on, mat based can be done publicly, women are more safe. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. So when it comes to your business, um, when you had the, the hip replacement, dealing with mat-based work, uh, did that cause any problems working on a mat, uh, having those sort of hip issues? Oh, no. Uh, once I recovered from my surgery, my hip, is, my right hip now is better than my left hip. 
Mm. So I have no issues whatsoever with the right hip. Before surgery, I had very, very limited mobility. I couldn't sit cross-legged at all. Um, I was in pain constantly. And after the hip replacement, I've got so much more mobility, um, no pain whatsoever. So it's it doesn't hinder me whatsoever. Um, if I had had a knee replacement, I could see knee replacements being very difficult for people who do mat-based work. Um, yep. My husband had both of his knees replaced, and he can't kneel on the floor anymore um, just because it's very uncomfortable to kneel on a replaced knee. So I could see where if somebody was going to have knee replacement, they really wouldn't be able to do the mat-based work. It would yep. be very difficult. Yeah, I don't know how um, suspension might potentially change that, but we haven't really released it yet. We're going to have to have long business conversations about how to build students up, and that's been a challenge in my curriculum because what I've been telling people is everybody wants a lightsaber. They want to cut a mm -hmm. car in half. I want that shiny thing, but they don't really want to study fencing. If they understand mat-based work, I feel more comfortable pushing them to that extreme. But the problem is, once you're using double-footed compressions and standing on people, I have to make sure they have a basic understanding of, like, potential ligament damage, you know, breaking bones, um, things that could happen if, you know, you're distributing weight in a way that's inappropriate for that client. Right. Um, I've had uh, Ashi. By a couple of therapists and I went and had an ashi massage um, with somebody that I've seen on and off over the years and it was right after she'd had a training it was pretty damn uncomfortable because she did not have her skill down yet um, and you know she was standing on me with both feet it, granted she's holding the bars overhead but there were times that it's like I I didn't hesitate to speak up, but what if it was a client that, you know, did hesitate to speak up? She could have done some damage. Um, so I can understand your hesitation with releasing the suspension um, and really wanting people to have better training with it. Yeah, I mean, we're I'm torn about it. It's It's been sitting in the wings. Um, I don't even feature it in a lot of my social media videos at this point because when I do, that's all they want. That's all they have. I want that. I want that. I want that. And I go, oh, man, I'm – listen, I'm pretty much an anarchist when it comes to the massage community. I'm, di I'm distributing information globally. Now – maybe I can deliver an online training that would put that together in a way that people could incrementally pick up. And yeah, I would technically be protected on a liability standpoint, but I want to be able to walk students through curriculum. So I feel like they can use it safely. Even if I do that online, that's an ongoing challenge for me. And to give you an example, I have apprentices that are studying with me locally um, none of those apprentices currently are even asking questions about suspension. They're still at the very beginnings of a fledgling mat-based practice, trying to understand how to use their legs and feet. They're trying to understand the theoretical component of how I'm helping people with chronic pain, and then eventually will build up to suspension. But even from that standpoint, the other challenge is the suspension that I use is easier to set up than Ashi bars. It's less expensive to set up than Ashi bars. Once it's released, it's gone. There is no putting it back in the box. And there's yeah. going to be a million knockoffs and, you know, people are just going to set it up. It's going to rip out of their walls and they're going to die and they're going to fall <laughs> on somebody. I have all these nightmare scenarios. But teaching a different practice um, it just takes time for me to walk the students along. Um, I feel torn in some ways because I want to help students quickly and effectively, but essentially like the, the drip course we just released, it's all table. It's the first six months is just, here's how we work on upper back and neck pain and help you build your practice on a table. The second six months is probably going to be low back pain on a table. So that means the first year is still just table work. Then we'll finally start to go to the mat in the drip course to kind of build it up. Curriculum development is an ongoing challenge, and I'm, I'm using some of the new classes to try to explore a little bit and see how students respond to what I'm teaching because I felt like 
the response to intro and table tie was just kind of humdrum for some reason. Um, I had a gentleman in Dallas say, man, you, you teachers, you know, y'all need to teach something more advanced, you know, y'all need, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you take a massage therapist who works on a table and you give them to me for intro tie, intro tie is advanced. Intro tie is mat based. Like intro tie is like way advanced compared to what people think is Swedish and deep tissue on a table, especially when that's what you're familiar with biomechanically. Like the label that you give the class is almost as important as the curriculum that's inside it. Oh, definitely. We'll take a quick break. Hey y'all, it's Trent Knox, podcast producer for the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Thank you for joining us over on the live stream. Uh, I just want to say hello once again and uh, let you guys know about the free trial for the Reboot Insiders Club. You can go to rgwellness.store slash free trial and take advantage of that for new users. And it's a 400 plus hours of video content with accompanying written material. So go over there and check that out. Again, it's rgwellness.store slash free trial, 30 days free for new users. And it's Robert again. I'm here with Lisa Poole from Bedford, New Hampshire. Lisa, can you give them a little bit of information about where they can contact you again? Uh, Lisa Poole, PeacefulStrengthMassage.com. And you can also find me on Facebook, Peaceful Strength Massage Therapy. Nice. So, Lisa, what um, challenges are you still dealing with? Um, So inside your practice, you know, are you doing longer sessions now because you're primarily doing mat work? Like, are you only doing 90 minutes or above or how does that work? I, uh, my goal this year is to really start to try to transition people to 90 minutes and two hour sessions. Most of my clients, um, they like the 60 minutes. Um, so I've really focused my marketing on if you come in for 60 minutes, it's focus work only. So yep. if you if you've got a neck issue, I'm spending 60 minutes working on your neck. I had a young man come in, new client the other night. He had a bicep issue. We spent 60 minutes working on that stinking bicep. And because I'm marketing it that way, people come in and they understand that. Um, I'm lucky I've got a big enough client base that I can do that 60-minute sessions. Um, I would like to do more 90-minute sessions because as a therapist, I'd like to be able to spend more time and get deeper into the issues. Um, But uh, right now, I seem to do a lot of 60-minute sessions. Yeah. A lot of the students across the board, that's the thing that I notice is they wind up transitioning slowly towards longer sessions, particularly if they're mat based. Um, They'll start off at first and go two hours. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. And then when they start doing it, they go, oh, wow, I use my body in a completely different way. I, I totally understand why you have to do two hours or more. Yeah. Right. Right. I I did a two-hour session um, last week or the week before. Um, I loved it. I, you know, I really got to dig in, we'll say, into all kinds of areas. Um, And the guy left, he was just toast. Um, But when I first started, there was like, no way I could do two hours. And now I look at 60 minutes and think, oh, I wish I had more time. Um, yep. So I really want to start promoting that um, 90 minute and two hour sessions. But I think I've done a good job explaining to my clients, you know, this is focus work. Work. It is focus work. I think my my biggest obstacle that I'm trying to overcome is figuring out how to explain what I do in a clear, concise manner. Yep. Uh, it, that, re- that really is the hardest thing because if somebody Googles massage, I, they, they have this vision on the table, naked under the sheets, slide and glide. Yep. Um, and I, I'm 
trying to just really figure out how to explain what it is that I do, how it's different, how it's better, but do it in a nice, concise way because people don't have patience. Um, And this is, I think, why you have trouble with the classes, why students all want that lightsaber, as you put it, because nobody has patience. Nobody has patience to really (laughs) dig in and learn the basics. I make money when I help the therapists realize their dreams. And what that means is we tried to rebrand to the name Reboot. That that trademark was declined after three years. So we're, it's sort of been on the back burner. I have to rebrand when I create a better brand and I help with the elevator speech. It's taking you and other therapists who want to be certified in that new thing, we'll just call it reboot for now, even though somebody else yeah. has that trademark. Um, I just use that as the, the general name. Um, once people are certified, and students ask me about this constantly, I had a message yesterday. They're they're taking my intro tie class and asking about certification, and I'm like, certification and what? The public, as well as massage therapists, sometimes don't understand what's involved in the certification process. I want to get a trademark for a new brand like Reboot. I want to take Lisa Poole and if she wants, get her Reboot certified. I'm going to be helping with the packaging, helping with the marketing, helping with the verbiage, and steering it in an even more concise way than I did when I was just teaching what I call time massage. I certainly expanded upon that, and I think it's worth branding and pushing it out. If I make it simple and I make it easier for you to get clients because people are searching for that term, that's where things start to flip in the same way they do with the Time Massage Jam as a brand. That process has been really slow just because we got denied. Right, right. Um, It really is. It's difficult to come up with the verbiage. Um, I, you know, had a client the other day. They're a physician, so they are a well-educated person. And she was telling me how she told her husband she was coming in for her Thai massage. And he said to her, hey, I didn't know you were in that kind of stuff. So even to say Thai massage, people are still, they don't get it. You know, they're, they're going down that road of the whole happy ending type stuff. Um, So this is why I always say my work is movement-based, and then I have to go into this whole long uh, dialogue of what what that is because of the fact that I can't figure out how to word it in such a way to get it across. Without what? Without, you know, something being considered inappropriate, you know. I always go towards this. If a therapist is listening, you know, one, I'm going to build my own brand and take my students along with me and we continue building together as a community. The other part is if you're a therapist, I think primarily what you do is you have to speak your client's language, not yours, not the language you speak to other massage therapists. You speak the language of like, what are you addressing? And I think part of the reason I feel such a strong rapport with you, Lisa, is you're dealing with chronic pain. You're focusing on chronic pain. You're not just delivering a massage as just a service in the way you were taught in massage school. You're trying to help that guy. You spend an hour working on a bicep. Yeah. A lot of therapists are going, dude, what the hell do you do for an hour? And it's like, oh, (laughs) well, it's like, are you working the up the, you know, the, excuse me. Are you working the, um, it's a distal and then medial? I can't remember. Are you working the upper portion, the lower portion? You know, it's like, are you working the belly of the muscle? Are you doing pin and stretch? Are you lengthening it? Are you mobilizing? Like there's, there's so many ways. I think in the end, depending on what your target market is, you have to speak that person's language. A triathlete is looking for something different than a soccer mom. They're, right. they're two different markets. So you have to skewer that one market that you really want to work with and then get referrals from the other people that those people are connected to. And yet they're, they're two different markets, but they can both have chronic pain yep. that we can treat, you know? So it's like you kind of have to do two or three different marketing campaigns and yet you're still treating pain, um, 
it's target markets and people aren't limited to one. I just try to get them to narrow to be able to give it some focus. When it comes to the branding process, I think it's most important in the beginning to say, hey, I'm Lisa Poole. I help people in chronic pain. Lisa Poole is the brand. When you're a massage therapist trying to survive and you're on Instagram, Lisa Poole is the brand. You're trying to get people drawn you know, into your story. Before we started the podcast, you were like, uh, I just want to make sure, can we curse? <laughs> and it's like, yes. But, you know, I had to make a choice at some point about, I curse pretty regularly. Um, and, you know, do I want students to think, oh, he doesn't curse. And then they come into class and I curse one day and they're all in shock. It's like, no, it's just much less work to be authentic. And when it comes to the marketing process of building your own brand, building your own personal brand and connecting with potential clients, it's easier just to speak their language and try to problem solve. If they're looking for relaxation, that's a very different market than working on people in chronic pain or people who are working for, you know, premium like athletic performance. Right, right. Most definitely. And and I think that's, it's been a big struggle to learn that. Um, as I said, when I, we started talking, I had no business experience. I had no idea about marketing. So that's been the biggest struggle is learning how to speak to the clients. You know, we therapists, we all speak the, the lingo to each other. And it's hard to step outside of ourselves and look at things from the client's perspective and learn how to talk to them. You teach them. The education process, the guy comes in with a bicep problem. Well, this is your biceps brachii. I want to bring you over to this muscle chart, and the muscle connects here, and it goes to here, and this is what it does. It sounds like based on, you know, you're doing CrossFit or whatever, you're probably overworking this muscle. We're going to address it. That little bit of information, when you say biceps brachii to that person, you are now a medical professional. (laughs) Right. Right. <laughs> the, the education process is, I think, therapists, they're just providing a service the way they were taught in school. They're not really stepping in and, and trying to teach even uh, the clients. If they're just teaching them a little bit of musculoskeletal anatomy, a little bit about our process, a little bit about being an honest mechanic when it comes to being a body worker, I think the education process goes a long way. And by being able to educate, I think you're trying to connect with that audience and figure out how to change the verbiage in a way that works. The way I sold Thai Massage in Central Texas was to never call it Thai Massage. I called it Thai Massage to get students because students were interested in something exotic and kind of different. Right. In my blog posts and stuff I was putting online on YouTube, it was like myofascial pain trigger points, coracobrachialis, or whatever. It was like medical pain relief. And the thing is, I was kind of doing both at the same time. I think massage therapists leave thousands of dollars on the table because they won't engage in just a low level of education. And truly, if we take the time to educate our clients, it also connects with them more than a physician will or more than a physical therapist will or more than a chiropractor will because I know from my own experience they don't explain anything most of the time it's just you know here do this here take this and you leave completely befuddled um and I just, I love, I actually love to educate my clients and take the time and, you know, show them exercises and stretches that they can do at the end, stand in front of all of my muscle charts and go, you know, this is what I found here and this and this, and this is how it all works together. And I think that's how, as a therapist, you get the rebookings. You don't yep. even really have to ask. It, yep. It's just, once you get to that point, they're like, so when can I come back in? I, I, I don't work on, you know, harassing people or, or, you know, let's come in in three weeks. This is our treatment plan. You know, I sit down at my computer and go, so you want to come back? And they're like, yes. How soon can I come back in? Yep. 
And the other portion, in addition to the education and doing good body work, is they connect with Lisa Poole. Lisa Poole is now their massage therapist. And because you had a high benchmark, they're going to compare every other massage they get to the service you're delivering. And, and hopefully, you know, for, for, it's good for your business that they find everybody else lackluster. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, so we'll take a quick break. Hey, y'all, it's Trent Knox, podcast producer for the Robert Gardner Wellness Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in over there on the live feed. For those of you listening to the audio on anchor.fm, thank you very much for tuning in or whatever podcast network you're listening to. Again, uh, Robert Gardner Wellness is doing a free trial on the Reboot Insiders Club. Head on over to rgwellness.store slash free trial and take advantage of that for new users. 400 plus hours of video content with accompanying written material. So check that out. Again, it's rgwellness.store slash free trial. Back to Robert and Lisa. Lisa, can you introduce yourself again and tell people where they can find you? Sure. Lisa Poole. I'm in Bedford, New Hampshire. My website, peacefulstrengthmassage.com. Facebook, Peaceful Strength Massage Therapy, and I'm on Instagram, Peaceful Strength Massage. My uh, first thought to you, Lisa, what I was going to say before break is you're dealing with some low-level like video production. What I would recommend is this. you got a tripod, and if you have to, just use your phone. I'll make it as simple as possible. The tripod just makes it easier to position your phone so you can record. I want you to take the the five clients that you have who are completely ideal. Not only do they come regularly, are they consistent, do they tip well, do they educate, do they work on themselves, but it's the client that you're like, yes, John is coming in today. I love working with John. What you do is when you're dealing with the education portion of what you do after the session and you're showing him a stretch, what I would prefer is this. You tell John, listen, can I shoot a video of what I'm about to teach you and show you? So now don't perform, just do your normal thing, but put it on your phone, record that video and upload that video to Facebook and YouTube. So people can actually see you working with John. You can also, hopefully if he allows this, you have to get him to sign a little liability waiver thing to be able to post it. Um, an AV waiver is what it's called. Um, I can make sure you get a copy of that if you don't have one. Okay. You get him to sign it. What you want to do is if he's on Instagram, you want to tag him in the post. You want to tag him on Facebook so that hopefully his friends, family, loved ones see the video of your ideal client working with you. And they go, hey, who is that? Maybe they like, maybe they follow, maybe they share. You continue giving information. I want you to document what you're already doing. Because here's what happens. You can teach it to them once, but... If you teach it to them once and then record it, now you can teach everybody else online and build a larger following. And you're putting your ideal client in the video itself. And also, I mean, that's great marketing, but there's a lot of times I show clients how to do a stretch and I've got little handouts that I give them, but that would be a great way to say, hey, let's make this video. I'll send you this video so you can see exactly what we did. And then uh, what I'll do is I'll, have that. you show them in studio and you, and while, what I'll tell them is, listen, you don't have to memorize this. I'm going to send you a link to my YouTube channel via email. The videos will be right there showing you the same thing step by step. And they're like, oh, what I found happened was I used to take, when I worked at a chiropractor's office, they didn't mind if I did this. Um, I would write down my name and I would write down like, you know, anterior scalene. I'm like, go to YouTube and put that in because they would find the video where I'm showing them the same information. Oh, here's what happened to me when I did that. The clients would go, whoa, I've never had a massage therapist educate me before. My tips went up substantially. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Great idea. Great idea. 
So uh, in, in your practice right now, um, is there anything new coming up for you? It sounded like for a while you were having challenges with business, but you're probably 80% booked now. Like, What are your plans long-term for what you're doing? You have a really niche practice. It's mainly mat-based. You know, you're, you're making money in Bedford, New Hampshire, a place I've never been. Like, What are the <laughs> plans for the future for your practice? Um, it's, I want to keep things, you know, steadily increasing to the point that I'm, you know, at least at 90%. I don't think I ever want to be a hundred percent. I always want to be able to have one or two openings so that people can come in last minute. Um, my life personally is in a little bit of a transition. Um, I'm about to be a grandmother at the end of February and my son lives, um, out in Seattle. And so my husband and I, this fall, we sold our house and we're renters and everything is kind of, we're just going with the flow right now. We'll see what happens after the baby comes along. If we end up staying in the area or possibly moving out to Seattle in a couple of years. Um, Seattle marketplace is completely different than New Hampshire. It's got to be. I'm sure that it is. I'm sure that it is. Um, But I had a conversation with somebody yesterday because I'm in the process of interviewing web developers um, and, you know, talking about all that I want with the practice. And something he suggested is figuring out how to franchise Peaceful Strength Massage. Um, So it's kind of a new idea that I'm tossing around. Um, I don't ever want to have employees uh, I don't want to deal with that headache. Uh, I think it would be nice, though, to bring somebody in to train them on the work to possibly down the road be able to sell the practice to them um, and maybe get more into the business side of it. Um, it's just as I get older, I'm finding I don't have the energy that I used to, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen in the next couple of years, you know, maybe five, 10 years down the road, but to go and do more of the business side and teach more of the business side. But I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's it's just always interesting to see therapists can be in very different places in their practice from the very beginning to the end near retirement. So it's just interesting to see how diverse the community is and how people are, you know, positioning their practices in different parts of the country. I, I think New Hampshire is a bit different than a lot of other areas. Um, New Englanders are very conservative. Uh, we're very skeptical. You know, if anybody is too friendly to us, we're always like, what do you want? What's your deal? We don't quite trust people. Um, And I think that makes it a little bit hard to have a massage practice because of the fact that it is such a close one-to-one relationship that you're building with people. And when you're dealing with people who are a little hesitant to let people in, um, it can make it a little bit uh, tougher of a job. My ace in the hole, so to speak, was social media. More and more and more video production, blog posts, just on and on and on. It was like broadcasting a huge net and then letting the people who wanted to work with me find me. Um, It's been hilarious to build a practice that's large enough that um, I get haters. (laughs) And people go, I don't like that guy. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, these people seem to love it. So I don't, you know, like I, my bills get paid and I help people. Um, but it's been interesting to see like the response. Um, I really just explain to therapists to try to feed their dreams and to try to feed their fans to continue building practices and like mining out niche marketplace with people that they really want to work with. Um, the clients that you know are your ideal clients that make you excited that they're coming in. Um, I can think of one client in particular that it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter what I release. She's just the biggest rah rah, like loves everything that I ever do, you know. And I like having those sort of ardent fans to sort of dampen out the noise from the other extreme. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I've. You know, I've got a couple of clients that I have been seeing for 
eight years. You know, they discovered me way back when I first started. And I still see them eight years later. And they are the clients that I'm like, hey, you know, so-and-so is coming in. And they can certainly turn your day around because we build relationships with people. So many of my clients are like family to me. Um, They're the family that I like. Uh, and I think that's really great. And it would be disappointing as a, a therapist to work someplace where I didn't like the people I was working on. And yeah. I imagine that a lot of therapists that are working at spas and working at franchises are in that situation. And that could be why so many of them come across as complainers on Facebook, um, because I think when you, you connect with people, it changes your perspective on life. And I know for myself, it certainly makes me a happier person. How did you initially, when, when you started working and have, have worked over the years to build the practice that you have now, were most of your clients coming from word of mouth? No, I did um, a local Groupon type thing. And I did Living Social. Living Social was out there um, in the early years with Groupon, and they have disappeared. And I did two of those. They almost killed me. Um, <laughs> I got waylaid with, with how many I sold and how busy my schedule was. But I can tell you, it gave me a ton of experience. I needed to work on bodies. I was fresh out of school. So it gave me a great way to work on bodies. It paid me just enough to cover my bills. Um, I'm fortunate that I am married and my husband has been the supporter you know, I've been able to build my practice without worrying about paying any other bills other than the bills for the practice. So that, that I, I realize that I am very fortunate in that sense, but to build the practice I did, I started with, you know, a Groupon type thing and it sucked. The people who came in, they were one and dones. Um, you know, they were just looking for the deal, but Out of those, I built up a handful of followers, and they helped to build the practice. And then the other way I've built my practice is figuring out Google and websites and really working that angle. Um, And just my site can be found on the first page of most searches in the area, which is it's how I get my new clients now. Somebody was asking in several groups uh, recently, Daniel Ramos was asking about not having a website because of the time. And um, especially for a male therapist, I need to have him on the podcast to discuss this. I think he needs a website. I'm a big Mm. fan of having a website because you own it. Um, I don't think it's the only way we put out information. And in fact, if you're only using the website to try to book a client, but you're not also trying to get them to follow you on social media to build brands, have blog posts, have videos, you're really missing out at a key sort of step in the conversion process. You know, people can already have, you know, a gig at Massage Envy, meaning a person could, you know, have a regular massage at Massage Envy, but somehow look for massage, run across your website and go, what's this? Wow, this looks really interesting. Like, it's hard to explain how fans, you know, wind up building clients. Um, When I get people, I think in February, there's a gentleman who's coming to see me from Scotland. Wow. Well, I'm in town, you know, doing work in Austin. I just figure I'll come get a session while I'm here from Scotland. I go, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I had somebody who discovered me. He was visiting um, from Denmark. Uh, He was here hiking our mountains. And he came back the following summer and came back in for a session. So I thought that was really cool. Yep. The the, the world is increasingly a small place. Yes. Um, sometimes I get people from my YouTube videos, they, they like what I do and they say, Hey, do you know, a, a, cl- a therapist in XYZ state? And I go, you know, depending on where it is, I go, yes, no, maybe so. Um, I try to refer them on if I can, but 
massage therapists have made it very easy for me to play the SEO game because there's not a lot of competition. Nobody's putting out content the way that we are, even from a podcast perspective. They're like, why are you releasing a new podcast every other day? And I'm like, because I hadn't figured out how to do one a day yet. (laughs) (laughs) You need to add more hours into the day to figure out how to do it all. (laughs) Well, we, we streamline and figure out how to delegate. Just like, you know, did you build your own website? I did initially. But my recent website, I did not. And I need to do a redesign, and I am delegating the shit out of that because I don't have the time for it. Yes. Cool. So, Lisa, is there anything that you'd like to close up with? I would like you to give your social media shares, your website one last time, but any closing notes? Um. Closing notes, I really enjoyed this. And at some point in time, I am going to get down to Austin so you and I can meet face-to-face, have a beer, and maybe I can get a little work from the master. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, uh, host me in New Hampshire if you'll let me know if there's a facility. Um, When I go to new states, it depends on whether they can accept NCBTMB credits, and then I'm happy to travel. East Coast has been challenging for some reason. I don't know what's going on on the East Coast, but I'm a Southerner, so maybe I'm polite and they're looking at me like, what's your angle? Like, I don't (laughs) Exactly. I will look around. I will see if I can do something in 2020. Cool. Um, So, yeah, just one last time, just give them uh, your website and whatever social media you'd like them to follow you on. Sure. Uh, Lisa Poole, PeacefulStrengthMassage.com is my website. You can find me on Facebook, Peaceful Strength Massage Therapy. You can find me on Instagram, Peaceful Strength Massage. Um, I don't post as often as I should, but I do post and I am planning on doing, starting to get back into the video game. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And if I can help you in any way in the future, feel free to reach out to me. All right. This was cool. Thank you. You're very welcome. You have a great day.